0: Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Come on, give the Lord a clap offering of praise. Put your hands together and thank Him for the beautiful day that you have. That we have. He's just a good God. A good God. Hallelujah. Can you believe that He still blessed you even though you didn't behave yesterday? Can you believe He blessed you in spite of what you thought this morning? God is tremendously good. He's tremendously good. There's a story that has various variations, and I want to open up by, by bringing it to you. There are various forms. You've probably heard it a different way. Some people actually think it's true, which it might be. But it's a good story that makes a point. There's a frog that ended up in a kettle that was sitting on a fire, right? And there's a low flame. And when he landed inside the water, it was comfortable for him. After a few minutes, the temperature got a little hotter. But he he didn't realize it, because he was comfortable in it. 20 minutes passed by, it got a little hotter. But he didn't realize it, because remember, he's cold-blooded. So he was comfortable in it. 45 minutes, he was a fried frog (laughs) or a baked frog or a broiled frog probably heard it many different ways the moral of the story sometimes you don't realize how the environment or the context starts to itch uh, inch its way into you until it's too late (laughs) sometimes you don't realize the toxicity for example of friendships and connections because initially it seems so nice and so wonderful and we're laughing and having a great time But over a period of time, that same relationship that seemed to be docile and innocent, all of a sudden can be so toxic that it will actually destroy you. And you don't realize it because rather than affecting the environment, the environment affects you. What I'd like to preach on today is a sermon that I've titled, Sometimes, Sometimes, What Happens with? Sometimes, not all the time, but just sometimes. And I want to use, as a biblical anchor for our, the preaching today, a story. And I won't read all of Genesis 19, 29. But let me tell you about the story. And then I'm going to pull out a few verses and things that I think will, will bring the idea to life. This is that famous story about Sodom and Gomorrah. Oh, it was a conglomerate of five cities in this plain area. Um, uh, between mountain ranges, if you want some, a geography lesson for just three seconds. Um, and oftentimes, when we hear Sodom and Gomorrah, we right away jump to what the context today starts to signal out as sodomites, or the sin of homosexuality, and, and same sex. And we say, see, see, that's that, well. we'll put on the brakes for a moment and listen to me, follow me. Because if you listen closely to scripture and you read the historical data, you will come to the same conclusion that I've come, that. Really, the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah was not just because of sexual depravity, but even Ezekiel tells us and some complementary texts and history facts uh, point to the fact that one of the reasons that the sinful stench reached God was also because of their not taking care of the poor and the disconnected and the disenfranchised. We right away jump that it's the sin of sexual perversion. And for some that want to be real legalistic, it's really about homosexuality. Well, hold on a moment, because obviously they weren't executing mercy and justice uh, to those that were uh, less fortunate, if you will. But if we put a pause on my comment right now, that doesn't look too far from our country today where um, we right away start to go crazy as believers with the recent laws that have been enacted about same-sex marriage, but we don't realize that this, this country has been in a path of sexual depravity for a long time. And even in my second observation about the poor and the disenfranchised, you don't need to be a scientist to hear the studies that the rich continue to get richer and the poor continue to get poorer irregardless of political persuasion that's the facts that those that have continue to have and have more and those that don't continue to have less okay let's go back to my story and oftentimes we think that sodom and gomorrah were destroyed because simply because of uh, uh, of the sexual depravity it was there the interesting thing about our worship and our praise do you know that our worship goes up to the lord as as a fragrant aroma that really, God is not so much in hearing our praise, but in smelling and sensing the fragrance of our praise rising up to him. And if you read the story, you will find that the sinfulness of that, of that region and uh, those people was as the, the stench of sin came up to the presence of the Lord. And so God, as a result, uh, decided in his own cosmic, eternal existence with you and I will never understand uh, his uh, 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 decision was to destroy, to completely obliterate Sodom and Gomorrah. And some might say, and some here might have thought, thought this way, because sometimes we think we're more compassionate than God. How, what kind of God is that? Aren't all sins forgiven? Well, let me just stop there for a moment as well, a point of clarity as I continue down this sermon of, of sometimes. What we're talking about here is that a group of people that had sold themselves out to sinning. Listen, there's a a, a difference when, for a moment of of, an unrefrained moment of not paying attention, you say a lie. And then you quickly feel convicted and you go and repent. That's a whole different situation when somebody habitually is lying all the time. There's a big difference between somebody in a marriage covenant being unfaithful for a moment, one time, being caught up in, and I'm not excusing it, I'm just saying if it happens, then someone that habitually is running in and out of relationships and in and out of somebody's bed. That person that is doing that over and over has had that sinful nature uh, seared inside of them to the point that, in many instances, they don't even realize the damage that they're doing. They almost create a new normal for them. God's justice comes against those people that have turned themselves over to blatant and repeated sinfulness. It is not the once in a while tripping over, making a mistake, your conscience gets you, you repent, you confess before the Lord, God lets you start over again. It's that person that doesn't even realize what they did. Because their sinfulness has seared their heart and they've turned themselves over. And, and I have a, a, a position that sometimes I'm, I'm criticized for because I really believe there's some people that you waste your prayers over. They've sold themselves out to destruction and yet we say we got to pray. know, let's pray for people that made a mistake and are aware of their mistakes. You know, when you hear in, this, in the Bible where Pharaoh hardened his heart. And so God executed his judgment against Pharaoh. If you note in the text, it wasn't that God hardened his heart. It was that Pharaoh hardened his heart. There are people that like to be in a sinful life all their time, all their their lives, and keep going over and over. The person uh, like that is someone that will uh, uh, receive... Um, uh, uh, the consequences of their poor decisions. So Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed because not just of a one-time sin, but it was a lifetime of sin. And if you look at the story completely and you look at complementary information, you will find that that was part of their, uh, of their nature, part of their DNA, part of the, how they were intrinsically wired at that point. God didn't make them that way, but they became intrinsically wired that, uh, at that point. And so we find a story that when that, the stench of their sin got up before the Lord, God decided to destroy them. But it's interesting to me that in the middle of such a, a deprivation, there was a family that you might pick on and signal things out, but at the end of the day, that God wanted to rescue, because there was some semblance of redemption present inside of Lot and even his family, that God would intend in the middle of all of that craziness of, Lot, of Sodom, and Samora, uh, uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, God wanted to come down and rescue him and pull him out. That's why in the story it says that two angels appeared and, and grabbed the ho- and told him, "You got to get out because of what's going on." And Lot was having a difficult time leaving because although he was he was a servant of the Lord, he became comfortable like the frog in the in the in the frying pan became comfortable with the context. And if all that time he was there, he was not able to change it, all of a sudden he wanted to become an evangelist and a missionary. It's too late. I believe that God is very patient, but there comes points in our lives where our own crazy decisions bring our, brings our own demise. And so two angels come down to rescue him, and they were struggling. And then they grabbed him by the hands as they start exiting. And then you know the story. Fire came down, burned the place up, and Lot was rescued. His wife was turned into a, a pillar of salt, and we'll talk about that in a few moments. But uh, The point I want to make here is that sometimes we don't realize how hot it's getting, how bad it's getting, because uh, uh, for whatever comfort it brings even to ourselves. And the first thing I want to show you in this text, in this story, is that it opens up with, look at this line that it opens up in verse 1. It says, two angels, sent by God now, arrived at Sodom in the evening, and Lot was sitting at the gate. Here he is sitting, um, here he is living in a city of devastation, of sin, of blatant depravity, and he's sitting in the square talking with his buddies. He's in the social club hanging out. He's having a conversations with the guy at the barbershop. Sitting in the square. If you look at the history, the square was where the the elders of the town would sit and figure out things that were going on. It was there where the, where the collective wisdom of the people would be gathered to be able to address issues of that particular town. There he was sitting in the middle of all this craziness. And sometimes, church, you may want to write this down. Sometimes you don't know how bad things are because you are sitting too close to the danger and you don't even realize it. <laughs> Isn't it true? Sometimes you don't know how bad things are because there you are sitting right in the square in the public view and you don't realize that danger. That's why you need to watch out for those that are around you. Not everyone that says they got you, got you. Not everyone that says is your friend is your friend. Not everyone that speaks like you, talks like you, behaves like you really is someone that you should be with. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Some, and you know the other thing is we, we don't neglect small things. Small things are usually signs of the big thing that's to come. Uh, small uh, uh, deviations from the path that God wants. Even in our own journey, you've got to be careful of those things that make us feel good for a moment. But if we don't put that in check right away, down the path is going to really take us off course. Small things left unchecked can be dangerous. And here, and the context brings us to the surface, uh, rather the, the passage brings us to the surface, that being in the, in the town square was a comfortable place for Lot. For Lot. He should have been praying for the city. He should have been witnessing to the people. He should have been light. Hallelujah. And you're going to find me come pretty strongly against Lot because too often we beat up Lot's wife. And in reality, if he's the priest of the home, he should have been acting like the priest of the home. And oftentimes you find people that are the head of the household, and you have them hanging out with their buddies all the time, and their children are going crazy, their family is falling apart, they're being responsible with other things looking good, and other things, uh, you get every basketball hoop, uh, can't stand you anymore because you get every shot in, but your kids are going to craziness. Say hallelujah if you can. Too close. To danger. Look at verse 4 and 5. It says, uh, before they had gone to bed, all the men, because what happened is these two guys show up, and they got to get a lot out. And then what happened, word got around that these two guys, uh, these two angels, were now present to come and rescue. Redemption had come. But the men of the town were so depraved and so crazy and so filled with lust and and, and sin and darkness in their lives that when they heard that Lot, because what Lot did, the custom during that time. I want to come back to this, so remember this. The custom during that time is when a visitor would come to the town, what was expected is that you would take them into your home. And you would treat them better than your own family. They would eat first. You would allow the servant to clean their feet. You would give them the best place to to sleep, because that was the tradition and custom of the time. So when these two angels appear, uh, Lot decides to bring him into his home, following culture and tradition, bring him into their home. The town found out, and now knocking on the door were these men. And I want you to see with me what they were saying. It says, before they had gone to bed, all the men from every part of the city of, of Sodom, both young and old, surrounded the house. And they called out to Lot, where are the men who came to you tonight? Question. And look at this statement for those that are being distracted right now. Bring them out to us so that we can have sex with them. You Got the picture? He went in his house. The town found out. The context is telling us that a mob of of testosterone (laughs) was surrounding his house, knocking on the door. And the worst thing that Lot did during this thing is that he actually entertained them and opened the door. Stop. This is the teaching. Let the devil keep knocking outside of your house, but don't let him in. Let him keep knocking on the door, knocking on the windows surrounding your house. If it's one, two, three demons, whatever it might be, don't let danger in because there's going to be consequences to that. And you as the head of the household have the authority to open that door or close that door or ignore the devils that are outside. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Sometimes, sometimes we open the door to evil coming in. Inside of his house was his family. He knew about this town. He knew about the craziness of these people, but he opened the door. Why are you opening the door? Why? And he knew they were dangerous because if you look at the Bible, it says that he opened the door, stepped out, and then closed the door. Why are you closing the door? Because you knew what was out there is not good for what is in there. Why did you open the door? Why? Why did you let that person in your life? Why did you let that information come in? Why do you allow the logging in garbage into garbage, into the Internet coming into your home? Why? Why? HBO, is that important? Your kid's being polluted. Why? You're letting the door open. Why? No, but it's my cousin. It's my uncle. Why? You've got to protect your kids and your family above all things. Why? We've been friends forever. I knew them when they were growing up. Let them stay outside of the house. Come on, say hallelujah if you can with me. Sometimes dangerous knocking right at our door. That doesn't mean let them in. Sometimes a knocking on that door is because depravity is right there. They're going to do harmful things. Science tells us very clearly, not only in uh, in human males, but also in in male species across the the spectrum of of, of creation and creatures, that testosterone has a way of making males do crazy things. Do women want to say hallelujah? (laughs) Hallelujah. I like watching the animal channel. And you see the the elephants, right? They're they're in musk. Is it musk? And it says that the, 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 uh, the elephants, one of my favorite animals, are African elephants. They're oozing testosterone coming out. You can't control them. They go crazy. They kill. They run over rhinoceroses and they kill people because they, they can't control. And then, after, if, if elephants can speak, they would say, What was I doing? It's because they, they get into this testosterone rage. Some people get into a sinful rage. They, they allow the, 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 the things that have been deposited in their life's journey and execute on things that don't make any kind of sense, and would get on a train and travel to New York and kill somebody simply because of the color of their skin. Or or, or they would say things and expect you to understand when they were intentionally wanting to wound you by their words. And then they blame it on, that's the way it is. got to forgive me. I was born that way. No, no, you have the power to change. Hallelujah. You have within you the resource. And if you don't have it, get bathed in the power of the Holy Spirit. And what you can't do, the Holy Spirit will do for you. Come on, put your hands and clap the Lord. Hallelujah. Sometimes danger is right at the door. You know, I want to tell you also, the devil has your home address. He has your email address. He knows your Facebook account. Honor God with your emailing and texting and and Facebook account. Make sure that you're glorifying the Lord there. Because if you're not, you're opening a door for crazy things to happen. Then you wonder why people have opinions of you. You put it out there. Gets quiet right away. Don't look at anybody. You put it out there. Why are they saying that? You put it out there. It's amazing when we don't confess to a counselor, but Facebook has our number on everything. So, and that's just Facebook social media. I'm astounded. I don't want people to know, but you put it on there. The whole, even people that don't care about you, people that even hate you, they, they now they know because you told them. Dangerous knocking at the door. The enemy has your home address. Sin is not about feeling feeling comfortable with destruction around you. Don't be comfortable. You ever been in a conversation and all of a sudden someone's telling a a nice, clean joke. All of a sudden, before a few moments, the joke starts to go downhill. You, if you're a child of a light, you should not feel comfortable in that environment. And you're saying, Pastor, you're saying, be rude. Sometimes you need to. Go. Change rooms. Go somewhere else. Or excuse yourself, tell them, I got to go to the bathroom. Make sure you got to go, but tell them. That we won't be lying. <laughs> if you're feeling comfortable in an environment like that, something's wrong, not with them. Perhaps what, what you've been saying about your convictions has just been words. Sin is knocking at the door. Don't open the door. It says that he opened the door and then shut it behind them. And look, he makes it even worse. Look at verse number uh, verse number six and seven. He makes it worse. He goes outside. To, he knows these guys are yelling on the outside, knocking on the, the door of his house, surrounding the house, let these men out so that we can have sex with them. They're saying this audibly. He opens the door, and look at what he says in the text. He calls them friends. Yes. He calls them friends. Friend, the title friend should not be an easy collateral that you give to everyone. That's something people earn. You know, you might have acquaintances and relationships and people that you're familiar with. But friends, that's a different story. And it goes even further when we say brother or sister, as we say in this church. We need to be careful. He went out there knowing the depravity of these these guys that were out there, and it says both, young and old, because we society thinks that it's young people have a problem. They're old people, too. I've said it before so many times. There's been an increase, a tick up, an increase in venereal diseases in nursing homes. That's been going on for a while. That's been going on longer than Obama's cycles of unemployment going down for 77 cycles or whatever. That's the facts. Oh, it's the old people. No, it's not. I mean, it's the young people. No. One of the first counseling uh, uh, sessions that I had here in the church was an 83-year-old lady got married to an, uh, an 87-year-old man that's still worshiping with us here. And the first thing that that we talked about was, but he's not meeting my needs. I said, Grandma, what do you mean he's not meeting your needs? <laughs> I know you can't visualize my grandma and grandpa. I know it's hard for you to see that. And for me, I said they could be my grandparents. And they wanted pastoral counseling. I wanted to run away. <laughs> it worked. They're still married. They're still with us. They're still looking for me when you have to talk to them. He smiles a lot more now, but <laughs> I don't know. Children, close your ears hey, if we don't talk about it here, all right, so don't, don't say, oh, he preaches like that. I do, right? <laughs> Sexual intimacy was created by God. Humankind uh, dirtied it up. Hallelujah. If we can't talk about that, then, you know, we, we're in trouble. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And so sometimes we think, no, it's young and old, came knocking at the door, and he called them friends. And I'm not saying abandon people, but sometimes you have bad choices of friends. Sometimes, that's a theme, sometimes you don't know how bad things are around you because you're too close to the danger. Sometimes danger is knocking right right outside of your door. And sometimes we have a bad choice of friends. Not everyone that calls you his or her, or or, or your friend is. Just have to know that. Sometimes you have to be discerning in, in, in having friends. Discerning. And of course, friends here is not just a the TV program. It's a, a sense of intimacy and in relationship. Got to be careful. Got to be careful. It says that he stepped out, closed the door. Look at this. Because I'm going to my next point. Steps out, closes the door. So he knew that was evil. He knew he needed to protect us, but he still went out. He calls them friends. And look at this. He strikes up a deal with the devil. He tells them, I have two daughters who are virgins. I'll give them to you, and you do whatever you want with them. Can I stop for a moment? (laughs) You ready for my application here? I'm a father of sons, and I'm a father of quite a few spiritual daughters in this house. I have three granddaughters. I don't care what tradition says. I don't even care what culture says there is no way that I'm going to offer up my family for anyone's depravity. Yeah. Let me stop you for a moment because some of you are so skillfully uh, biblical. There is no place in the scripture that it says that God commanded this kind of contract. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, culture required it. Tradition required it. But God, we got to be careful how we make decisions and we say that it's God when it is not God. That's why some people go off to the missionary field, abandon their responsibilities to their kids, their kids become crazy, and then they come back saying God told me." You no, know, that's tradition required you to go, but God wants you to take care of your home, be the, uh, the leader of your home first, and then he'll be able to open doors for things to happen to you. Don't sacrifice your kids for ministry. There's no way in scripture that God says that. And here he made a, he made a contract with the devil. And I want to push this because they're speaking in a public setting. It's not that we're behind closed doors. He went outside. And CNN cameras were focused on this. And social media was looking on this. And they quoted Lada saying this. We've got to be careful, church. Because sometimes we don't realize either blatantly or in a very subtle way that we're making contracts with the devil. We have to be careful, church, with this. Regarding the devil, there is no negotiation under any circumstances. None. I don't care how much scripture the devil quotes. Satan, uh, Jesus was in the wilderness, and, and Satan was skillful in, in quoting scripture. Skillful. But Jesus was not going to go that way. He was not going to make an, agre- an agreement with Satan. I'm, I'm born in a town in Puerto Rico that's known for his witchcraft. Uh, Guayama. I'm actually born there. Known for witchcraft. And in my history, I have to admit to the fact that probably in my lineage behind me in the past, there's some witchcraft, black magic activity. But I'm not a witch nor a warlock. My mother years ago broke that curse. Listen to me. I have family members that made contracts with hell. Satan. With demonic things, but that was the path. My mom broke that. My mom and my father stood on the gap and say no more. And I'm—I'm going to encourage you. I don't know. Let me tell you. A story. I, I suffered from severe asthma, it's so bad when I was little that I used to be hospitalized for it. I remember one time before my mother came to know the Lord as her Savior down here in the Lower East Side, we grew up underneath the Williamsburg Bridge, let it and in the air, suffer from asthma, horrible. I remember being hospitalized for weeks on end uh, because I could not breathe, severe, horrible asthma. And my mother, because of you know, our context, and my mother's more Taino-Indian than anything else, so there were probably rituals and stuff that they did before she knew the Lord, and she was operating based on what she knew and understood. So I remember my mother took me to see someone that was a Brujo, bruja, whatever it was, some, somewhere down here in the Lower East Side. They're probably functioning down here somewhere still. Maybe not. And with the witch and the warlock, whoever it was, I remember they sat me down in a chair, and the lady, the, the person dealing in black magic, took off my shoes and took a piece of cactus, I remember they had pulled out all the thorns, and then the person put the, uh, my foot over it on the floor, and then she etched it around. Right? I remember this. Day. I must have been like three or four years old, and then took that and then cut the cactus to the imprint of my foot, of my, of my foot, and then told my mother hang this up by the door. And as it dries up, right, his asthma will, will dry up. That's what she said. And my mother didn't know any better, so she didn't know Jesus then. So she did that. About a week later, I was hospitalized with the worst kind of asthma attack that you could ever have. Or shortly thereafter, right? But it was one day sleeping at night. My mother now had come to the Lord. I still had asthma. My mother had come to the Lord, and she was praying for me. And that night, she put me to bed, hardly being able to breathe. And they didn't know, you know, so there was no uh, uh, the, the things that you do for breathing. And you know better than I, all that stuff. I didn't know. But I just know that it was horrible, because if you ever had asthma, you feel like you're going to die the next breath. I was a little kid, but I remember waking up in the morning singing a Spanish, what we call Corito, a little Spanish hymn, right, a little little small song that I was singing, from that day till today. Nothing. Why? Wait, wait. Because my mother did what she thought was right based on what she knew. But when what she knew, tradition and culture, did not bring the miracle she was waiting for, she knew that she had found somebody better than tradition and culture. And she believed the Lord. You need to go to your closet and throw out that candle. You need to go back to your home. And you know where it is right now. You need to go and destroy that. No, but it reminds me of my oh, mom. No, destroy. Get rid of that stuff. Every once in a while, you bring it out, and you, although you clap and sing, and, and I'm stronger, more powerful than him, we go back to those things that are traditional, that are cultural, but don't bring any deliverance, because we make contracts with hell, and the, and the ones that suffer are our families, these prayers that we have, these beads that we have, these stones that we keep. Oh, yeah, and you love the Lord, and you help us, and you participate, and you give generously to the work of ministry. But back home somewhere, and your life's not going to change unless you go back there and start cleaning those things up and throwing those things out. Because you have no, 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 you cannot be having a, a, a contract with the devil if you want God to bless you. I can't believe not offering his daughters. I want to go back there and smack him upside the head and say, what's wrong with you as a father giving up your daughters? Yeah, but tradition, I don't care about tradition. This proves to me clearly that Lot could not be Hispanic. <laughs> what, are you kidding me? Hallelujah. <laughs> no way. You think about it. You too. I don't care what society says. I remember my mother's struggle, struggle. When I have uh, uh, five brothers, and when my older brothers were going away to, to fight a war for home, We didn't understand that in my home. My mother was in turmoil, my father, but they did that. Because that was what was expected. My father was a World War II veteran. My my two older brothers served in the military in in, in, the Vietnam War and in in the Korean conflict as well. Not me. Do I look like a soldier to you? Come on. (laughs) Dwayne Johnson. (laughs) What? My mother did it because we had to, but our culture said no. No, they don't want to sacrifice our sons. And it's not unpatriotic what they, what they were feeling. It's simply that our culture doesn't do that. I mean, Latino parents, when my sons got married, we wept when they left. In a way, we were glad. But we, 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 we. <laughs>
1: There's
0: a part of us that pulls back. Are you following me? There's no way because of tradition and culture that I'm going to, and he did that because he, he made a plot with the devil. He was comfortable with the heat of sin and didn't realize that he was like that frog in that boiling pot. Sometimes we can easily make deals. And, I, and, I, and when I know in the text too, how easily he came up with that. It doesn't even note that he's struggling. In fact, even when his wife was killed, if you won't find in the text where well, he was even grieving about his wife. That's a different teaching for the matter. He didn't even feel bad that she, became, that she was no longer on the scene. Sometimes you can easily strike a deal with the devil. Let me keep going. It says that now the, the, these angels grab a hold of them, and now they're marching out, and the angels are running up because the, the fire from heaven is going to fall, and he's grabbing the, the family, and, and, and the angels are moving forward and running forward, and the, and, and, and the instructions is run to that hill. You look at the Bible. Run to the mountain. God always wants to promote you. God always wants you to exit but to move on up. That's what God wants. God wants to build you up. That's what he wants. And as they're running, what happens? Lot looks to the side, and he says, I can't go over there. But over there, why don't you let me go over there? He looked to the side. And it says in the text that the angels acquiesced to his request. God was saying, run to the mountain. Some scholars say that it was that Lot was tired. He was old. He had, you know, Bad bones, bad whatever it was. He <laughs> I couldn't run anymore up there, out of breath. But let me tell you something. If you listen to me closely, if you want to do what God is telling you to do, you're gonna to have to sweat. It's gonna take hard work. You gotta have a supernatural power to be able to run the race. This is not for weaklings. Hallelujah. He gave up looking, and he said, "Send me over there." He was looking at where God was telling him to go, but he said, "Send me over there because I can't make it to where God is." because he was thinking about his own power. He was, that's what he was thinking about. And the Bible says that the angels acquiesced, and he went over. You look at the text. It says to this little town called Zoar, Z-O-A-R. Ready for this? The name of Zoar is small town. But if you unpack it even further, it means a place of insignificance. God told him, go up, run. The angels are going to help you. He decided to look to the side, and he preferred to be in a place of insignificance rather than being in the will of God. How many people are sitting here today or watching us that God's call has been over your life? But it's too hard. I'm out of breath. You forget that the angels are holding you, carrying you. Because the text, in my opinion, the text renders it, to this is the way I get it, that his feet weren't even touching the ground. So he thought he was working, but it was really God working for him. Woo! They were pulling him. But he thought he had to do it alone. So send me to the, don't prefer, prefer the seat of insignificance. The place where no one will know me, where no one will see me. The place that is off to the side. When the Lord has told you, go forward, go forward, don't look. And apparently Lot's wife was used to seeing, looking to the side. Didn't the wife look back? Why? Don't, let's not blame her. She had seen her husband look to the side. She had seen him look to the side before and look behind. You know what? Our kids will do what we show them, not what we tell them, What we show them. Yes. My, my, my littlest granddaughter was with us the other day. She's crazy about her grandmother. And so she says she loves her grandmother. She goes off and she kisses her. And so then I say, I, and she calls her Ima, I love Ima too. And I went and I kissed Ima. She got upset. <laughs> That's hers. She Let me go. She went over to Ima. But what, what has been impressed in my baby's mind, little mind? That's what men do. We show affection. We kiss. We hug. The woman, singular, in our lives. Come on. <laughs> Are you following me? Don't put your kiss here or there or everywhere. But also, there's a kind of kiss. Let me leave it there, okay? But she got. The, she doesn't understand. I have to explain it to my little baby. But she knew. Obviously, Lot's wife was used to seeing the head of the household sitting in the square. The head of the household sitting in the boiling pot. The head of the household calling crazy people friends. The head of the household making plots and contracts with the devil. The head of the household looking that way and looking this way. The head of the household fighting with God rather than yielding to God. So don't blame the wife. Come on, say hallelujah if you can. If you're still with me, you're still with me. And sometimes our bad decisions will take us to a place of insignificance. Sometimes our bad decisions put us to sit in Zohar, a small, it's called also the little city or the little town, of no importance, of insignificance. God did not want you there, but he allows you to sit there because that's what you wanted. You're sitting on the sidelines. You're warming up a bench. You might say, I'm in this church and I'm tired of being a, a, a bench warmer. No, you put yourself there. That's not what God wants in your life. Sometimes our bad decisions will take us to that place. Let me get you to one more observation, and then I'm going to try and close. I'm going to try. It, say, it says in the text. It says in the text that uh, as they were running, and I want you to see this. Maybe some of you have not seen this. It, it says that while they were running, all of a sudden, because the wife looked back, the punishment was that she became a, 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 a pillar of salt. And sometimes we say she had no faith. No, no, it was that Lot was a poor example. But watch this. You may not have ever seen this. She did not become a pillar of salt when she was running toward God up the mountain. She became a pillar of salt when her nutty husband said, send me over there. And when she, he, the family is running over there because that's what the set man of the home said the place of disobedience, of insignificance, if she would have kept running, or if a lot would have allowed his family to run toward God, the blessing of the Lord would have reached them. But because he said, I'm going to go that way, his wife running that way, away from what God wanted, away from God's purpose and plan, the consequences befell her. That's horrible. I never want to be responsible for drawing my family away from God. I never want to carry the burden of leading you on a spiritual way, because I understand my role as spiritual father over this church, of leading you astray away from God once. Yes, the path toward God is hard. The path toward God is humanly impossible. It's not fair. But God will always have an angel on your right and on your left to carry you through to get to that mountain. He's going to help you to get there. Hallelujah, don't get sidetracked to the place that's comfortable because as you're going that way to the place that's insignificant and comfortable for you, your family will pay the consequences. You say, that's heavy. Yes, it should be heavy. Because sometimes our bad decisions take us to a place of insignificance, but also our indifference to our loved ones can cause them to become cold, salty statues. Woo! Hallelujah. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. The burden of her being uh, uh, suffering the consequences of becoming what she became was because of his indifference. And the text shows us. You never find in the text that he mourned the death of his, of, his, of his wife. And he might have loved one. He may have loved her. But there's no sign of that at all. No sense of remorse. Maybe he was happy that she was gone. We don't know. Maybe he was sad that she was gone. We don't know. In fact, it says that after the whole place was burnt up, you continue reading the text, he got up in the morning and rather mourning his wife, he's looking out to the devastation around him. I wonder if he was missing what was going on over there in Sodom and Gomorrah. I'm not making this up. You look at the text. For me, it's clear. For me, he didn't even mourn. And, you know, relationships brings ups and downs. Uh, people that are in, close with us, we love them like crazy, and sometimes uh, we become unlovable as well. But we need to deposit into our family members, into our loved ones, love that comes directly from God and not be indifferent to their journeys because they're going to suffer the consequences. And then the weight of decisions moving forward, you know, if you're a man and you're the head of a household, if you're a woman and you're the head of the household because there's no man present, you're a single person and you're the head, obviously the head of your household we've got to be careful with strategic decision, decisions that we make you can't make them because it's convenient my mother always used to say just because it's shining doesn't mean it's gold you don't know you say yeah but the city is so terrible we can't raise kids here then I think the worst thing is going to palm trees and then our kids get lost there they go get lost with a tan If you think palm trees make a difference, and it's going to sound comical, but I don't mean it that way. If you think palm trees make a difference, get a couple and put them in your house. Yeah, paint your house like the seashore. Sand. It's not the place. It's the home. Just too much for you? It's not the place. It's the home. And you might be saying, yeah, but my kids aren't following after the Lord. You be faithful. You, I'm going to show you something in a moment that blew my mind. So our indifference. Lot's wife looked back. She became. Notice how quickly Lot offered his daughters to the strangers. But also notice how quickly in the story he never lamented over the loss of his wife. Obviously, there was a level of indifference to that kind of, of thing. Don't be indifferent. In relationships, we, must, we always get back what we invest. In relationships, we always get back. If I'm always going to be sarcastic with Pastor E, my wife, and sarcastic, what am I going to get back? If I'm always going to be emotionally distant with my sons, what am I going to get back? If I'm going to be cold and, and calculated with my daughters-in-law, which are my daughters-in-law, they're my daughters, I'm going to get that back as well. If I'm going to show displeasure with my grandkids being around, after a while, they're going to they're going to bring that back to me. But if I love on them, i tell you the story. The other day, I'm, I'm home reading on my iPad, and I, and I was taking care of, watching the baby. She, like, at that point, she wanted to be with me rather than grandma. So she's sitting on the sofa bed next to me, and I'm reading my stuff. And I put on the, you, you, we all do this, right? We, I put on the cartoons so she can be entertained for a few minutes while I'm reading. And she's watching, and she's climbing over me. <laughs> then she hits the iPad. It falls down, and, you know, and, then I'm, and she hits my glasses. And, But you know what? I'd rather have her all over me. I love that. And there are times when they don't want to deal with uh, Abba, with Grandpa, and I'm kissing on them, and they get annoyed. I'm still going to kiss them. I pick them. I tell Bella all the time, she's 11. I say, I can't pick you up because you're almost my height now. But I want to. I'm picking you up in my mind. (laughs) Kiss on them. Even if they don't want, I'm going to do why. Because I'm going to show affection and what you get. Because when I get old and I can't walk around or anything, guess who's going to carry me? I know you all say you will, but (laughs) (laughs) come on. There's something about depends on an old person that makes us. (laughs) This too much for you? It's real. You know it's real. I'm a preacher real. We get back. In fact, when I teach the marriage class, there's that point about the, 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 the wife being uh, 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 help meet. In the original Hebrew, that means reflector, and that's simply a saying whatever you give is what you're going to get back. So if I want my wife to love me, I need to love forward. If I want coming back caricias, I, I have to give caricias in terms of endearment. That, that, that's just the way it is. That's just the way it is. So obviously, he was giving out coal. He was more worried about the burning smoke coming out of there than the loss of his wife. Or, or, he didn't even apologize to his daughters for offering them up. In relationships, we get back. But let me finish. Verse 29. If they could put verse 29 on the screen, I want to show you something very powerful. Because sometimes, let me, let me, let me build it up. Sometimes, we don't know how, how close danger is sitting to us. sometimes, Dangerous right at the door. Sometimes we have bad choices of friends. Sometimes we can easily strike a deal with the devil. Sometimes our bad decisions take us to a place of insignificance. Sometimes our indifference can cause others to turn into cold salty statues. Because humans, you and I, are always about a sometime. But God doesn't use the word sometimes. He wants to bless you all the time. He wants to pick you up all the time. Even when we don't behave, he wants to reach out and bring you back to the fold. Look at the text here. It says now that God already had meted out his judgment against Sodom and Gomorrah and already the episode had unfolded and now Lot was in Zoar, the place of insignificance. His wife had already been turned into a a stone, salty statue. Things were horrible. His daughters now were offended because he tried to give them away to these men. All of this was going on and it says, not sometimes, but in the middle of all of this, after God dis- finished destroying the cities of the plain, it says, five, it says cities in plural because there were really five cities in that region, Sodom and Gomorrah in that crowd. He remembered. Look at this text. Look at this. You're looking? Look, 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 look at this, look at this. It says there that so when God destroyed the cities of the plain, he remembered Abraham. Wait, wait, wait. The rest of the story is Lot. You saw this? You know what? The translators must have made a mistake. They inserted the wrong name in there. Abraham. God. Lot went crazy. Destruction was meted out. He chose instead of the promise of the mountain, went off to insignificance. And in the middle of all of that, because God is an always kind of God, not a sometimes kind of God. It says that he remembered Abraham. And here, when it says that he remembered, does not connote that God forgets. It's not saying that at all. Sometimes it's hard for us to understand the intent of God because the divine and cosmic has to be brought down to a level where human beings can understand. And all we understand is oral tradition, spoken words, or written words. So spoken words and written words limit who God really is. So what this term is really saying about remembered God is that God was able to see holiness, righteousness in this man called Abraham who God knew very well. It does not also suggest that God had forgotten Lot. No, but look at this. God re- and, the, and the text says it. God remembered Lot through Abraham. Why is that important? Because if you read the text, then God rescued Lot. Not because of Lot's doing or undoing or faith or lack of faith. God rescued Lot because he remembered his father Abraham, his covering Abraham, his spiritual influence Abraham. So God was able to bless. Abraham's gener- uh, uh, future generations, not be- and it's not biological here. It's simply the implication of spiritual uh, transference and impartation. He was able to take care of Abraham, not because Abraham was behaving. He was misbehaving. He was being crazy, a poor leader, a poor father, mingling with the devil, mingling with demonic stuff. But because of Abraham, God was going to rescue him. Now, listen to me. If I'm a faithful father, it doesn't matter what my kids might go or what they might do. If I hold my peace and let the Lord fight my battle. If Pastor Ye and I can continue to be together in serving the Lord, it's gonna be rough. It's gonna be difficult, but if we hold on to the Lord, my sons, their wives, my children, future generations cannot help but be blessed because God is gonna remember Abraham. Woo! Man, I don't know what that does to you. Do you get that? Hallelujah. As I look around the room, God is going to protect your children and your future generations. If you could just hold on, if you could just wait on the Lord, if you could just trust the Lord, hold on. It's going to be rough, but don't go to insignificance. Keep marching forward. The angels are going to carry you through to the purposes and plans of God. Hallelujah. 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 You can stand up in the place for a moment. You know what that means? My mom has gone to be with the Lord and my parents already for a a few years. But I believe today I am enjoying the blessings of their intercession and their prayer covering. I really believe that. And they must have prayed a lot because the the bowl of all the prayers and tears that they shed over me has not run dry yet. I believe that Pastor Ian and I, because of her mom as well, that we're enjoying blessings. We're enjoying God's provision because we had a prayer covering and people that were faithful unto God. And God, every time he looks at me and looks at us, and perhaps he's not too pleased with something, he doesn't look to us. He remembers what those before us did in this church. Why are we blessed? Why are we enjoying a wave of blessing and revival in this house? It's not because me being the pastor or you being here. It's because before us, there is a crowd of witnesses that God remembers. And because of them, God blesses us. Because of them, God rescues us. Because of them, God goes. And oh, I love this. I can't preach anymore. I ran out of time. But God then goes to the place of insignificance to get us out and put us back on the path of his promise. <laughs> Woo!
1: Hallelujah!
0: Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. Hallelujah.
1: Hallelujah.
0: My, 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 You know what? Not sometimes, but all the time. Not tomorrow, but right now. Not in the future. Let's have a prayer chain and call one 800 a miracle right now, but rather right now. Because God is not a sometimes God. We are a sometimes people. He is always there. Come on. Come out of your seat. I want to pray. I want to pray. Come on up. Come on up. Come on up. Your kids, your kids, stay faithful. Stay faithful, your kids, your kids, stay faithful. It doesn't matter where they go, what they do, how they behave, decisions they made. Oh no, no, no! God's gonna remember you, yo. He's gonna remember you. 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 Hallelujah! He's gonna remember you. He's gonna remember you. He's gonna remember you. Hallelujah! Pastors, come on up here. Pastors, come on up here, up up here. Pastors, come on up here. Hallelujah, come on. Hallelujah, elders, assistant pastors, up here with me, up here. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Spirit walking into this place. Oh, yes, I do. Hallelujah. I'm not pumping you up for anything. I'm showing you in scripture. Your kids will be blessed. Your home will be rescued. Your grandkids will be reached. They might be strung out on drugs and doing crazy things and made lifestyle choices you're not pleased with, Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. What you're seeing in them now is not what you will eventually see. You will see the provision of the Lord. The decisions they're making right now make you sad. But hold on.
1: Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hold
0: on. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Hallelujah, help is on its way. Hold on, Herman. Hold on, Marilyn. Hold on, Esther. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. John, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. Oh, I feel the curtain pulling back. Hallelujah. Change your name to Abraham. Change your name to Abraham. Hallelujah. He's going to remember you. Hallelujah. Tommy and Jeanette, he's going to remember you. Nympha, he's going to remember you. Listen to me. He's going to remember you. Your kids can't help but be blessed. Olga, he's going to remember you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Iris, he's going to remember you. Yes, he will. and Liz, he's going to remember you. Hold on. Listen, hold on. Hold on. Hold on. You're going to see it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. He's going to remember Abraham. Throw up your hands. Pastors, I'm uh, help me for a moment. I'm sorry. I'm going to ask you to actually go back into the crowd. Amen. So just as the Lord will lead you, help me to pray. Help me to pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. Hallelujah. Cookie, hold on. Cookie Malave, hold on. Hallelujah. Lydia Sotomayor, hold on. Betsy, hold on. Susie, hold on. Yes. Hold on. What you're seeing in your children, hallelujah. God's going to change it. They're going to come out of insignificance. Brenda, hold on you dare let go hold on cover them with prayer father we stand we stand today not on a preaching no we stand on the promises of your word your word your word and Lord we, we become afraid of our kids the decisions they've made we worry sleepless nights we're troubled and we say I didn't teach them that way Or they say, Mom, Dad, I love you, but I'm making this decision because this is what I want. And we yield because we love them, but we don't like the choices they've made. But, Father, help us today from this story in Scripture that you're not a sometimes kind of God. You're God always, always. And you will remember our prayers, our supplications, And our children and future generations will be the beneficiaries. Send your Holy Spirit to strengthen us. Send your Holy Spirit to empower us, Lord, this day. Get our kids out of that place of insignificance. Put them back, Lord, on that journey toward the mountain. And do it today. Do it today, Lord. Begin it today. We join our faith with our brothers and sisters. Join my faith, Lord, with Demi, Minister Demi. Join my faith, Lord, with Fujis. Join my faith, Lord, with the people here today. Join my faith, Lord. Our kids will not be lost. Bring them from that place of insignificance. They don't belong in Zohar. Bring them out. Bring them out bring them out as we yield to you, Lord. As we surrender to your will and to your purpose this day. This day. Come on, throw up your hands for a moment. It really is about a place of yielding.
1: As you yield, as you yield,
0: as you surrender, the change will be yours. As you yield, as you yield, as you yield, as you yield. Oh. Hallelujah. As you yield.
1: Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We yield to you today, Lord. Lord, I give you my heart. I give you my soul. I give you.
0: a child right now that you're struggling with whether it's a a small child or a teenage child, even an adult child, just close your hand, lift up your hands and I want to lift up a prayer. And, And you feel like you're carrying the burden alone and you really feel like you've run out of options. You've tried everything. Father, I pray right now for my fellow sojourners, Lord, in parenting how challenging and difficult it can be when it seems like our love is not enough. I pray, Father, right now for your peace that surpasses all understanding to flood us, that we might not lend an ear to what others might say. The love that we have for our children and our loved ones, that is not negotiable. That is not negotiable. So I pray, Lord, for your peace and also your supernatural strength that allows us, Lord, to weep but remain standing, to be frustrated but remain standing, to have human impulses but to remain standing, to get away because enough is enough but to remain standing. I bless, Lord, in this moment. In Christ's name, amen. Hallelujah. 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 I don't know, but, but, but the, the Lord is just here today this, in a very special way. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. There's that song I sing so so often by myself. But I'll lead you now. We know it's Real simple. There's a sweet,
1: sweet spirit in this place.
0: And I know. up to sweet melodies
1: there's a sweet sweet spirit
0: hear the voices
1: singing at this time. The voices singing with me.
0: and tell your neighbor he's an always God, an always God, an always God, always God.